Welcome to WinWords, a podcast dedicated to gaming in, in Glorantha, the Bronze Age fantasy world feature in such tabletop role-playing games as RuneQuest and HeroQuest, and in several other games and art form. I am Ludovic, aka Lord Abdul. Hi, I'm Bill. Who's the third body here? And, well, uh, that would be me. Uh, I am Jörg, a two-meter-tall guy who just was christened Jörg the Short. <laughs> Jörg the Short, yes. Uh, this is episode two, which means that uh, once this goes out, we'll have twice as many episodes as before. What do you think of that? Well, that's exponential growth. A hundred percent increase. Do I get a hundred percent increase in pay? <laughs> Your pay zero, <laughs> so uh, I guess you, you, you still get zero, yes. So we discovered that we are actually not the only news and discussion podcast on uh, uh, on Glorantha. Here, you have some info on that? Well, uh, who, who, who else? <laughs> oh, of course, those, those cursed things. <laughs> well, what are they up now? So, yeah, uh, they have a podcast named uh, Desertarin Tehtien Allah. Well, that's easy for you to say. Well, I, uh, I did spend some weeks in Finland trying to learn the language. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll let the Finnish uh, listeners tell us if you, if you succeeded. Anyway, um, the, this uh, podcast has four hosts, which are Juho, Juha, Olli, and Yuri. They have two uh, episodes already under their belt. The first one is about the uh, Donsong Companion on drive through uh, RPG, and especially on Armies and Enemies of Dragon Pass. And the second episode covered the reprint of Worms Footnotes and uh, to is talking about Runecrest Lorantha. And uh, we'll have a link in the show notes for anybody who speaks Finnish, which is probably just Two people. I don't know. <laughs> How do you welcome in uh, Finnish? Tervetuola. There we go. Good to, <laughs> good to know that you guys are doing this. Um, awesome. Now, uh, there's another caveat that uh, we'll have to mention. I mentioned that uh, T.S. Eliot had written um, a fine uh, product uh, called The Once and Future King. <sighs> Leave it to York the Short to uh, point out that I have no idea what I'm talking about. It was, in fact, T.H. White. Um, mia colpa. And now it's time to gather in the town center. The Herald's Podium is where the members of the tribe listen to the news of the world. Uh, and we have a bunch of news, but start with um, a few bad news, Bill. Oh, who wants to start with bad news? Um, but uh, listen, the world is coming up to our doorstep, whether we want it to or not. We at WinWorlds would like to comment on the sad news that conventions are being canceled in light of the global pandemic of COVID-19. Listen, we feel badly for the fans, volunteers, guests, and organizers losing hours and days of work, planning, preparing for these conventions, organizing trips and getting uh, travel plans put into place. I mean, we praise the organizers for their correct and brave decisions to cancel this. We give um, the sympathy to the fans and uh, the guests that aren't going, but uh, more importantly, though, we offer sympathy and solidarity, solidarity to all who lose friends and colleagues or loved ones in these trying times ahead. We wish you all well and that uh, you all remain strong, healthy, as well as being helpful and caring to others. Remember, um, get a game going, get a little bit of entertainment, a little bit of joy in people's lives so that we're not all suffering alone and in silence. I mean, we do have to keep our distance, but there is online. 
Um, so yeah, the, in terms of Glorantha-related uh, conventions, we've seen the cancellation of the Glorantha Games 2020 in the UK and uh, the Chaosium Down Under convention in Australia. And there's a couple of other uh, conventions a bit yeah. further ahead that may or may not be cancelled. It's not clear. Assume that they probably will be, but then again, maybe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the two German conventions on Whitsun Weekend are still not cancelled, but they are when this gets out about a month, uh, about two months away. Well, let's move to uh, happier um, subjects like, uh, you know, fighting monsters and stuff like that. Uh, we've got a couple of new Johnstone Compendium items. So uh, We do. Yeah, the Johnstone Compendium is the community creator program from Chaosium for RuneQuest content. Um, the first item is Stone and Bone by uh, Chris Herbert and Diana Probst of Beer with Teeth. I think it's Beer with Teeth, isn't it? Is it Beer with Teeth? Beer with yeah. teeth. Not, beer not beer with, with teeth. teeth. Beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. beer. Like their their logo is a um, uh, like a beer mug with teeth. Well, it's St. Patrick's Day today, so I guess it might as well be beer with teeth. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a Guinness, isn't it? Well, it's beer with a bite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's the same team that did uh, Rock's Fall, which was uh, part of the first uh, Johnstone Compendium items when it opened. Uh, the official description is that it is a RuneQuest uh, Glorantha scenario designed to slot into any campaign where shamans can be found. Uh, it is written with fractions in mind, but can be easily converted to be set elsewhere. There's a plot hooks and maps and, um, and suggested aftermath. And um, combat is likely, but can be avoided. So, I mean, just like uh, most RuneQuest scenarios, I guess. Um, I read it. It's hard to say anything about it without spoilers. So we will just say that, um, I mean, I skimmed it, and it's it's pretty cool. <laughs> okay, now, um, good night. I'm a very quick caveat. I am the editor of this, uh, so I'm not promoting it um, in any way, way, shape, or form, but uh, as a news item. There is a new product from our friend Austin Conrad, Giron, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correct, Lord of the Elephants. This is a Monster of the Month, and Ludo, last time around, you were suggesting that he may not be able to get a Monster out every month. He's doing fine so far. January and February have been covered. Sounds good. I could read the official description, but I, I edited this thing, so I'll just say that Fantastic. Then um, read the terrors at the end of the, the bestiary, the Grantham bestiary, and said, these are interesting. Quim, that's chaotic. The uh, red bat, crimson bat, this is a chaotic. What, what, what about the other non-chaotic creatures? There ought to be some terrors out there. And postulated elephants in um, Genertella, which is not um, in any of the records that I can find anywhere postulated it and created a great terror monster now this is not for the faint of heart you are not going to get a newbie going out and hunting this critter you're not going to get rumors together hunting this critter you're going to get something a heck of a lot more powerful this is a true and terrifying monster not a beast for the faint of heart in any way shape or form to take on it's a wonderfully put together item the editing's not too bad, I might say, but, but I'm a biased. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit biased. Yeah. In any case, um, it's a dollar and a half, um, a buck and a half for your bang for your buck, and it's available on Drive-Thru RPG. 
Cool. Well, both uh, both items will be uh, will have links in the show notes for people to check it out. Yeah. Third item is not yet on uh, the RPG uh, drive through RPG, but by the time we, this gets out, it might be a new edition of of a rough guide to glamour is hitting the shelves soon. According to Nick Brook, one of the authors and the editor of this book, all it takes to publish this is one map and one illustration. The book is going to have more than 110 pages and supports a great A3 cover showing a bunch of lunar leaders overlooking a miniature view of glamour. Some of those leaders may look a bit familiar from our world. That's intention. <laughs> the rough guide to place name series consists, uh, consisted of setting descriptions for the early freeform games written by the Irritating Moon Megacorp in the, early, in the middle 90s. In 1998, the freeform The Life of Moonsun was accompanied by, uh, by the first edition of this book. You get descriptions and gazetteers of the city and the surrounding Silver Shadow Sultanate, or Satrapy, short descriptions of the people on the cover, a number of stories and other fluff, and so, including the context for Pelorian uh, Rhapsody. let me go. <laughs> Even if your collection of tales, convention books, booklets, and freeform stuff is complete, this book will have new material. Nick Brooks' website has the full cast of the Freeform characters and some additional material from Freeform Online, a good starting point for descent into a high-level lunar intrigue. Now, York, you're saying that these uh, people look familiar. I'm looking at the cover here, and people said that Elvis died in 1978, but isn't he kind of in the middle of this cover? Yeah, uh, only he's the king there. He's the emperor. <laughs> Not just Elvis, there's also like uh, Danny DeVito and uh, uh, Kate Blanchett and a bunch of other uh, famous uh, faces. Kizzle Bash Woman from BRP Central even points out that Harley Quinn, a Batman name, is in there. Yep. Yes. Wow. We got some real imagination going on, that's all I can say. <laughs> but I guess we should move on. <laughs> cool. Uh, so moving on to uh, Glorantha, the God's War, which is uh, Sandy Peterson's um, board game. Um, the Kickstarter ended like a month ago or so, but there is a late pledge option. Like if you go to the link in the show notes for the, um, uh, the blog post from Peterson Games, they have a link to a pledge master where you can... Uh, still buy the game. Uh, this is important because it might be the last chance for anybody to get this game because it is a bit of a niche game. And so it might not get a third reprint. So this might be your last chance. Uh, Ooh, now where did you get that information at that? Uh, from, um, from the post on Kickstarter that they said, like they said... I mean, the, the demand wow. is not, it's not very big. And so it's uh, like they don't print a lot of copies and nobody stocks them much. Yeah. So, yeah. Sandy yeah. Peterson. Sandy Peterson, a legend, a man responsible for Cthulhu, a man responsible for God Wars. It's one of the men responsible for Doom from ID Software, for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. A legend. Yeah. Yep. Wow. And um, and actually, uh, if you are into um, Sandy Peterson, he has a YouTube channel with a lot of um, cool stuff for uh, not only Ooh. his games, but Ooh. also for, you know, GMing tips and ideas for Call of Cthulhu. Sweet. 
Yeah, so uh, I think Jurg asked Sandy um, about how long the Pledge Master will be open for the God's War, and he said until April at least, so it should be still open by yeah. the time this episode comes out. You talked to Sandy? Jörg? Well, uh, actually, I wrote him an email, but uh, yes, I've been uh, exchanging emails with Sandy for uh, decades. Sandy talks to you. Jorg is connected. He uh, he he does Man, uh, he does you're... rituals to talk to the old ones. Yeah. You you rock. And speaking of Sandy Peterson, we have some more stuff. Yeah, uh, Sandy uh, did a bit of a, an advertising offensive uh, for this, and mm -hmm. he recorded a couple of YouTube videos uh, discussing his art and his product. Mm -hmm. So um, there are. Three uh, recordings uh, of this. First is, uh, was a Law of Lorenza uh, session, which Sandy planned to do, do with Jeff, but for some reason Jeff didn't show up, so then Sandy did it alone. Mm -hmm. The second was about the art of God's War, and it turned out to have lots of notes on other uh, Peterson Games products too. Mm -hmm. And the third was finally the Law of Lorenza with Sandy and Jeff. We have links to the YouTube videos in the notes. So yeah. take some time and listen and watch. Yeah, um, I've got a couple of highlights if I want to uh, whet people's appetites. Um, the um, the one with the art of uh, of the Gods of War, he did it with um, Alisa McCarthy, which is one of the production artists on the Gods of War. And, uh, and there's a couple of uh, interesting things, like uh, they go into why they made um, the gods look the way they do in the Gods of War. I know on, uh, uh, on, in the Glorantha fan community, some people were a bit... Um, uh, either astonished. like <laughs> yeah, astonished or disagreeing <laughs> with uh, Sandy's vision, for example, like for Zorak Zoran or Lank or Mai or stuff like that. And so he goes into detail about like why he made them look that way, and that's um, that's very interesting. There's absolutely nothing new there. Sandy Peterson has been a little bit of an iconoclast uh, throughout his history with uh, Chaosium and a well respected one. Everybody loves his opinions, even though they may differ a little bit uh, with uh, the <laughs> can canon. Yeah, and I like the fact that Sandy has really a, a, a no-nonsense approach to his answers. He's oh, really just yes. like, yeah. And it's funny because uh, so the 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 one of the videos is Sandy with uh, Jeff Richards uh, do like mm -hmm. doing a live chat on the on the lore of Glorantha, and it's just hilarious. Like the first question. Uh, the first question from the, the, the viewers was uh, a question about uh, Nysalor and Gbaji. And so Jeff starts to answer by going like, well, I would say, and Sandy just cuts him off right away and says like, no dicking around like Greg would do. Give us a straight answer. And that was just <laughs> so it's, it's hilarious. As a matter of fact, we got a little bit more news on that um, uh, coming up right away here too, as, uh, as soon as you're done, uh, Leo. Um, yeah. Okay, but Carry on, finish off your statement. Um, well, I wanted to say that a couple of more highlights from those uh, YouTube videos are uh, a couple of things about uh, the backstory on zombie ducks and ducks in general, uh, with a few uh, stories from back in the day from Greg. Um, one anecdote that I found super interesting was the fact that in the mid-80s, um, as Americans, you know, uh, Greg and the others were um, very much into like the Orlanthi, the barbarians are the good guys and the Lunars, the, the Empire are the bad guys. But they went and visited the uh, Tales of the Reaching Moon people 
people in in um, in the UK, and there in the UK, like the 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 fans there, they were totally the opposite. Like even reading the same material, what they got was that the Lunars are the bad guys and uh, the no, Lunars the are the good guys. And the barbarians are the, um, you know, um, um, kind of... Disruptive um, and... Yes, exactly. And so apparently they had in mind to do more materials about um a, like you know campaign material for barbarians uh, fighting the lunar empire and they realized like they sh they shouldn't take sides anymore and from that point on they kind of said like you know you pick whichever you want as the good guy and the bad guy and uh, it's just the two sides yeah. Of course, we don't want to give away everything here, but we will yes. give you so that you can go and check this out yourselves. Indeed. So the links will be in the show notes. Yeah. Moving on, we have a, a Jeff Richards interview. Now, I need your help here uh, with uh, the gentleman who uh, did the interview and the name of his TV. I, I speak French, but I speak it with a bad <laughs> uh, English accent. <laughs> yeah. So well, what's the, uh, the TV? Uh, so the, uh, the, um, the website and YouTube channel who interviewed him is called Rollist TV. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I would have screwed that up. Uh, mostly stuff that we already know, um, as I mentioned here, uh, a good part of this uh, deals with Call of Cthulhu at the very beginning mm -hmm. and a little bit at the end talking about Pendragon. Both great Chaosium games, both were to check out. But we are all things Glorantha here. Mostly stuff that we already know as far as Glorantha is concerned, but a few fun nuggets. Now, I was supposed to do this homework, and um, I will give you a quick caveat here, boys and girls. Um, with the head cold and with uh, the COVID-19 and everything else, my, my morning uh, was pretty darn busy. <laughs> so it was uh, my uh, night last night. So York has collected up a couple of notes. I'll mention them quickly, and then I'm going to have to throw to Ludo and York to discuss it because I'm afraid. Uh, but anyway, the nuggets. Caught book will hopefully be out 2020. Now, this is good news. The Great Sarda Campaign. Back to uh, mentioning a Pendragon. Now, Pendragon has a, a great uh, little idea that uh, you can play a number, an entire period of time from Uther, Pendragon, all the way through the Arthurian legend. Fantastic. It's called the Great Pendragon Campaign. This is coming to Sarda, and it's going to be called a Great Sarda Campaign. <laughs> Needless to say. Now, I'm sorry about this last one, and I really don't know there, uh, York. I know you probably dug us out. Isn't this supposed to be in rumors <laughs> next year? Hero questing, no, uh, come, Hero questing is coming to RuneQuest. Uh, it's official, Jeff oh, said it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's official. It's next year. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you know that. <laughs> Hero questing always is uh, coming next year. But it, w uh, oh. it will be coming. Uh, it will be coming in RunePress. That's in, that's news. <laughs> yeah, next year. So, so to, to I guess to explain to listeners why um, uh, Bill is, is can't up. stop uh, uh, laughing <laughs> is that uh, the hero questing rules for RuneQuest have been promised all the way back since 1981. For I was year. born in 1960, so for less than 20 years of my life, they've been promising it. <laughs> <laughs> A little over 20 years of my life. <laughs> yeah. So the the interesting thing, though, is that uh, Jeff is currently working with Christopher Klug on it, which is um, he's famous for being one of the designers on the James Bond uh, 007 uh, role playing game back in the day. Oh, yes. Good things to have said about that. Uh, he also had to be uh, the lead author for uh, TSR, The Smoking Roof. Hey, be, 
Before I had my account to Chiasium.com removed and me being banned from BRP Central, <laughs> I may laugh, but I only do it out of love, boys. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Please don't ban me, please, I beg of you. <laughs> you yeah. won't be banned. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I have it in writing from Gret that Masters of Luck and Death is going to uh, be released next year. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop it, Yuri, stop it. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he's he signed it into my copy of White Bear and Red Moon Rules. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> oh, good guys. Nice. Um, but anyway, good about uh, about the hero questing rules, what is really interesting to me is that uh, so apparently you know they had to look into uh, all of the mechanics of rewards, like how to reward somebody with like amazing things when you do a hero quest, but that wasn't what really held off those. Uh, that text what was holding it off was figuring out how to give tools and keys for gms to be able to um, invent glorantham myths for the players to um, to hero quest into without the gm and the players having to know you know uh, a thousand pages worth of glorantham lore and so because not everybody's jurg uh i am definitely (laughs) not jurg (laughs) <laughs> I, I I have only uh, I have only uh, read a few books so far. I'm the newbie in the group here, and so that's definitely something that interests me. Like how to <laughs> come up with myths with my players. Um, if you would ask my opinion, yeah, you would ask my opinion. Jorg isn't even Jorg. He's is Jorg the short. <laughs> <laughs> if you would ask my opinion, I know you did, but if you were to ask my opinion, <laughs> yeah, but he's not short of knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh no, he is not. Yeah. Anyway, so we, we bow in your general direction. We yeah. bow in your general direction, sir. Um, we did learn a few more things between that uh, Rollis TV Jeff Richards interview and the Lore of Glorantha with Sandy and Jeff. We learned a few other things that are coming up besides um, the um, the hero questing rules and all that. Um, there is um, along with the cults book. There is the Red Book of Magic, which is kind of a magic companion of, of all the spells of all the cults. Uh, cult oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen, yeah. I've seen, yeah. 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 Uh, so it, it's going to be apparently a companion to the cults book, which is going to be like a two-volume yeah. thing with a hundred cults. Um, yeah. We are going to get a... Now, will you be able to use it the same one you could use as a guide to Glorantha? Guide to Glorantha yeah. can be used as an anti Need to take out a zombie with one shot when he had Ranth in one hand, put them both together, and you could take out a Humacti or a Zeraxorani. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. The Gate to Glorenta <laughs> is a great weapon yeah. for uh, for anybody breaking and entering into your house. So and, you, uh, and the you guide is also call- a good comparison uh, for this because uh, the guide is a complete atlas of Glorantha, mm-hmm. but you got, uh, you got, uh, got the Argan Aga atlas with it too, which repeats all the maps in the. Uh, yeah. guide, at least the uh, geographical ones. <laughs> now, I just heard it mentioned that the Red uh, Book of Magic, I'm sorry I got the title wrong, and the Gods and Goddesses of Grantha, or Cults of Grantha, whatever it's going to be called, we don't know the name yet, yeah. is going to be bigger, or as big? But I don't think the Cults of Glorantha books are going to be coffee-sized, uh, coffee table-sized like the guide. I think it's going to be, they're going to be like I, I, regular size. Yeah, I think they will come in the regular size. They might come with a slipcase as well again. 
Yeah. So Jeff did drop a couple of hints to other things. Um, apparently Loic Musée, which is the uh, the French artist currently working on the Maleus Monstrorum for uh, Call of Cthulhu. Apparently he wants to uh, move over to do some RuneQuest stuff. And so apparently there's going to be some Loic Musée illustrations in the cult book, as I understand Ooh, it. Those are brilliant uh, illustrations. Yeah. Yeah. Bravo. Um, the uh, Jeff mentioned the smoking ruins is at the printer, surprisingly. So um, it's <laughs> going to and Pegasus Plateau is next. Um, he was mentioning that they well, really... hope it stops smoking before they start pr- printing it. <laughs> yes, uh, and the Pegasus, the, uh, the Pegasus Plateau is next, which is another um, uh, book of scenarios because they are trying to load up on scenarios so people have stuff to play. Uh, the RuneQuest starter set is next and is. Um, uh, very similar to the Call of Cthulhu starter set in the sense that it has like a solo adventure to get you started with the rules and then it's got the Johnstown's uh, city book with a few adventures in it and all that and pre-gens. Uh, the surprise for me was that he dropped some hints that uh, I think uh, Jason was uh, working on some uh, further down the line projects like a Grazelander campaign and an arms and equipment book. Have you heard anything about that? Mm. Didn't hear about the equipment book. The Grazer book has been in the making for quite a while. Okay. Uh, but the author was not clear. Okay. There's a few things that are definitely needed to uh, make RQG the F4 game that it can be. And it looks like on schedule they're putting out lots of material and where isn't being tackled by Chaosium itself. Who knows? Keep an eye out um, on a Johnstown Companion. Maybe, maybe yeah. one of the fans will come up. And if you still have some money left after buying all the Chaosium stuff and all the <laughs> Johnstone Companion stuff, um, there's more to spend money on. Well, what, what could that possibly be? Chaosium uh, has a, a store on Redbubble where you can get T-shirts and coffee mugs and so on. And they're having a creature month there right now. Oh, they stole that from Conrad Austin for crying out loud. <laughs> Austin Conrad. Seriously. No, no, it's not Creature of the Month. It's the month of the creatures. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one creature a day for a month, as opposed to one creature a month. Yeah. Okay, perfect, perfect. <laughs> well, uh, they could have called a creature season, but that would have misunderstood as well, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come on now. Let's get serious here, guys. I'm going to get some Scorpion Man t-shirts. Oh, what about no. uh, Thunder Brothers on a mug? You can do that too. Uh, anyway, there's going to be a, a link to the Red Bubble store, the, the Chaosium Red Bubble store in the show notes, so people can um, can buy that stuff. Um, so I have to tell you to move on that we're wasting too much time. Mm. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> uh, next is a bit of crowdfunding from Type 40, which is um, uh, some people, I think, in Australia who are doing some cool um, like uh, accessories and uh, RPG branded uh, um, like physical stuff. If it uh, ain't so, the fans, it's got to be the Aussies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so they are doing a crowdfunding campaign on a Game on Tabletop, which is kind of like a Kickstarter-ish website, but mostly for gaming. Uh, and they're crowdfunding a RuneQuest leather bag so that you can transport your uh, RuneQuest books in style. Didn't they used to do uh, leather pouches for books? Yes, leather they have covers? a bunch of like Call of Cthulhu um, uh, leather. Oh, those uh, are beautiful. Yeah, yeah, they're very nice. Um, I would have liked a RuneQuest one for that, actually, more than a leather bag. But uh, And if you're super rich... 
they also have a bronze shield as one of the higher uh, backer rewards if you want to spend like 400 uh, bronze. Now, we know that the shields were made out of wicker and wood and hide with a little bit of metal. <laughs> yeah. Are we being silly here? Uh, no, it's a, it's a real one. Like, uh, uh, you, can, you can click on the, on the link and go check it out. It's, uh, let me check. It is uh, uh, $750. And you get, oh like, a, a full-size, like, a, a real-life-size bronze shield. Well, I don't know if it's bronze. Uh, so- Aluminium, eight through ten slip covers of the RQG core rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can you, you can protect wow. yourself. I, I guess it's it's uh, it's cheaper to buy the guide to Glorenta and hide behind that. So if one were to have the guide to Glorenta in one hand and a shield in the other hand, one would be basically a warrior to really yeah, fear. Yeah. Yeah, if you really want to uh, <laughs> buy the God's War, oh yeah, we can make a castle under the God Wars to stay. Oh, oh my. yeah, yeah. So you're stead. You're yeah. <laughs> well, we've got uh, we've got a war. Uh, well, it's a war darn plan. good thing I'm uh, fantastically wealthy. I'm, I'm, I'll get right on that. <laughs> BRP Central, BRP Central. Now that's yep. interesting. Now, just a little while back, uh, Mister. Uh, Durrell, Jason Durrell has started uh, posting an awful lot of material on answering BRP Central, which has been a little bit slow for the past couple of years. And boom, just out of the box, he starts uh, throwing a whack there, followed by um, Scotty from uh, Chaosium as well. In In the past, this month alone, since the beginning of March, 17 days half uh, this month so far, they put up 35 answers this month. Now, I say that there's been about 241 total posts. Now, there's actually been a lot more because some of them have been rescinded since the beginning. But 35 posts of answers in 17 days. There's a, there's a lot of work going down there. If you need, we'll put the link on there. You have questions and answers. Yeah. The questions, there are answers. Yeah, so uh, it's a good occasion for uh, uh, all of the uh, rules questions to be answered to create more rules questions and more threat <laughs> arguing about. Yeah, so put on good, your good. rules lawyer hat and go and visit. Oh, no, no, do not. Do not. <laughs> that's that's the other game where they have rules lawyers. No, no, no. We, we have Yorgs. We yeah. have rule Yorgs. <laughs> and no, uh, I'm setting. I'm a setting Yorg. Yeah. <laughs> and a reminder that all of those answers are late, are uh, then late compiled into the Well of Dahlia, which is um, one of the official Chaosium websites. So we will have a link to that, won't we? Yeah, we will. Uh, that is a, that's a great resource. And for another recent news item, we have a new, second installment of uh, the Rune Fixes. Dudo? Uh, yeah, it was uh, coming just around the time we were recording, uh, and it adds a bunch of errata and uh, rule clarifications around uh, mostly like the extension rune spell. Have you uh, guys checked it out? What do you think? Fantastic. Um, it's, it's nice. There's, there's still going to be questions no matter what, but you know what I really dug on it? There's a point that is made that is really good. It's a, a pull-out box editorial comment. Number one is um, um, system crash, is what they call it. Yes. And it's basically, you have not been given computer code. If uh, you can't figure out what to do, wing it. Wing it with a couple of ideas in mind. Maximum game fun. Number one, your game may or will vary. Number two. Love it. Yeah, it's... uh... (laughs) 
the 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 document at times comes a bit across as um the, the uh, game uh, designers being a bit annoyed at the rules lawyers <laughs> <laughs> i can't figure out why we love rules lawyers around here yeah um well, you told me the, this game doesn't have them oh, well okay <laughs> But uh, yeah, otherwise, I think it's uh, it's a, a good additional uh, document. So anyway, the link is going to be in the show notes uh, for people running uh, RuneQuest Glorenta. Welcome to the rumor table, where we talk about possibilities, things that might be occurring and things that might not be occurring. We have our dice in hand. We will uh, consult the table and see what our first rumor will be. Okay, I'm rolling. What do we 45. Got? 45. 45. Jorg, do oh. you interpret 45 for us? Yeah, uh, that takes us to other uh, starboard works of a certain Rick Mines. He used to be a mega fan of the setting, and uh, he collected uh, all of the publications. At some time, he was called Mr. Suitcase. And, yeah, and uh, he uh, produced a Mines Index to Glorantha, which was a list of all the publications that have ever been done for Glorantha and all the editions of that and so on. And he's working on a current edition of that, despite now being Mr. Glorantha as a uh, president of the Chaosium. The last version of uh, his index to Glorantha dates back from 1999, I think. Yeah. So there's a lot to update. So not only are we going to have to buy the whatever comes out, we'll have to buy a wheelbarrow to carry the darn thing around in. Uh, I think it should be fine. It's written, uh, <laughs> it's written with a small font. <laughs> <laughs> Next, Bill. Ah, well, let me get the dice in hand. Um, I feel, feel pretty good about him. I'm blowing on him. Got him all warmed up, and we roll a... Oh, my... Oh, 99. Fumble. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, I don't even know if I want to go into this one, guys. What do you, what do you think? Go for it. I mean, the 99 uh, might be hilariously interesting. <laughs> Thanks. You're throwing me to the wolves here, aren't you? <laughs> okay, listen, guys, I've heard a rumor. Now, this comes straight from the duck's bill. So, you know, um, it, take it as take it as it comes. 99. Oh, man. It be a third monster of the month coming from Austin Conrad, and it'll be the night of the quacking dead. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. And that there might even be a skeleton duck involved as well. Now, considering the fumbled rules on our rumor table and the questionable reliability of the word of a duck, this has got to be baseless. All right. Main topic for this uh, uh, installment of Windwards is going to be the marketplace. Hopefully a, a recurring segment. The marketplace. When one uh, thinks in terms of fantasy role-playing, role there's money yet to be made, there's money to be spent. Where does one spend the money? Where does one get rumors? Where does one get information? 
Where does one sell off the products of one's travels into the dungeons? <laughs> the marketplace. Well, as for a marketplace, this time we're going to travel to uh, the most famous marketplace on Earth as we speak today. This will change as time goes along, but all of those who have walked uh, the, uh, the streets and alleys of Clarantha have traveled to Pavis at one time or another. So how about the Founders Market, the biggest market in Pavis of the uh, five or six markets that exist there? And have a look at its dusty streets, loud crowds milling about, voices uh, hawking, this and that, crazy people on uh, soapboxes yelling at uh, folk um, about, for their attention about new uh, prophecies. In uh, this uh, corner, we have beggars in the streets waving cups about. Over here, we have a group of people covered in dust, blood-soaked uh, uh, shields in front, um, uh, hanging from their backs, and backpacks just brimming with the uh, loot taken from the big rubble. Where else? The old Pavis, outside of the walls. And uh, the far corner, we have um, uh, people setting up uh, merchant uh, tents and hawking their wares. Burgers over here from Bob's Weisenburgers. Bob's your uncle. Yeah, we thought that we might bring a few ideas for, you know, uh, items, encounters, characters, or whatever that you can find at the Pavis Market and uh, share it with you, the listeners, and maybe discuss them and um, flesh them out a bit uh, live on air. Uh, who wants to start? Maybe um, uh, maybe Jörg? Well, let's get back to, the, to one of those groups of uh, dusty and uh, still slightly bloodied adventurers. I have a group of them... Uh, uh, approaching a pair of sages who are hawking or uh, their services uh, there in a the stall on the market. And they uh, are approaching their uh, stall and uh, unloading one of their bags. And inside the bag, there is a copper item. It's an honored piece of a horse or zebra bridle with cheek pieces, a formerly gold-plated honored bronze plates showing an equine with an archer doing a Parthian shot. This item just takes the fancy of the two uh, sages they are presenting it to. And, yeah, who are these adventurers? If we step a little closer to the stall, we hear that they found it using detection metric in a fairly open part of the big raising with an uh, extreme bow range of Yalmalio. Mm -hmm. I found it uh, amongst, uh, amidst the crushed and bleached remains of an equine uh, jaw, brain cause, uh, and the brain case of that school was missing. One of the sages berates them for not bringing pieces of the jaw so that they could confirm whether this was a zebra rider or a pure horse folk artifact from the time of the 17 foes of Waha. The century mm -hmm. before the troll occupation sealing of the rubble or some other stuff, they get into an argument really almost ignoring the people who's, who are hawking this stuff. So, I don't think I should bore you with their ideas what this could be, but yeah, they come to the conclusion that they need those teeth 
and they want an expedition starting. And one of, one of the group of the uh, adventurers is volunteering to lead them there. And you, as country adventurers, may be able to overhear that. So what's happening now? Okay, so they found... Um, what did they find exactly? I didn't quite catch that. Like uh, uh, the remains of the, the jaws of some equine animal? Yeah. Yeah, it could be a horse, could be a zebra, could even be a mule. So is it, is it like a, a piece of skeleton? Uh, no, uh, what they brought is the bronze piece. Oh, I and see. And it's a very ornate piece of art. Mm -hmm. It's a bit uh, with an ornate, uh, ornate piece of bronze work on both sides, um, so that the cheeks would stand out. Now we're talking in the bridal of a uh, of one form or another, not actually these um, skull remains. Yes, in fact, the sages uh, berated them for not bringing any of the skull fragments. Okay, does this item already have so many um, some um, some kind of like magic potency or something, or do they think that they need to find the other pieces? before it gives out any um, uh, any advantage or um, like is it actually a magic piece i don't think that this is a magic item per se but it will be a valuable ritual tool for the old pevicide families mm. because you see um, if it's a pure horse artifact or a zebra artifact it will harken back to the aerosmith dynasty of pervis mm -hmm. yeah and several of the rich people of uh, from old Pevis who are now sitting in new Pevis will be interested to use it for contacting the ancestors or perhaps going on hero quests. Okay, cool. I was wondering, now, why the sages uh, gathered out front of the uh, Temple itself and uh, meeting the adventurers there? Is this a prearranged thing, or were the sages actually doing something as the adventurers approached? I think that the sages are... Um, offering their services a bit freelance uh, away from the temple so they uh, so that they could get uh, more direct access to the staff. And they obviously look like sages. They have the beards and they have the uh, crosses and the assassin symbols. And they even have um, some zebra uh, coat uh, labels on their uh, uh, clothes indicating that they are from old Pevisite uh, families. Okay. Hmm. So are, are they from different families? Like m might be um, s different families, old families of Pavis uh, be kind of uh, competing to bid on the item and try to acquire it or something? Or is it just uh, one family? Quite likely. Uh, one of them probably is a relative of the chief of the temple, mm -hmm. the Satyr family. And the other one probably uh, has some other ag ag agenda. Oh, so. Cool. cool. So, so actually, each of the families might be hiring different groups of investigators to go find the other pieces, like the teeth and 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 all that. And so, the the player characters might be hired by one family, while knowing that other groups are competing to find it first. Basically, my idea was that the sages will be hiring one of the characters from the pre previous band to lead them there. Mm -hmm. Then they will be looking for guards. That's an interesting thought Ludo was bringing up. Um, is it uh, possible that uh, this was preset beforehand uh, rather than uh, just a uh, random encounter in the street? 
I mean, there, there could be intrigue ahead of the encounter in the sense that uh, as this group of adventurers comes from the big rubble with that piece, there might be rumors ahead of it and uh, families that are better connected or better, you know, they have better informants in the street might uh, be able to arrive faster uh, and, and be the first bidders to, uh, to try and acquire it. So there might be a little of uh, information war ahead of it. York, we um, have a picture um, um, in front of us that we can uh, look at and uh, have an idea of what it actually looks like. How are your descriptive skills? Are you able to give us an idea of what this bridle would actually look like? Yeah, imagine a crossbar of bronze uh, onto which uh, there's an ornate plate of copper, let's say uh, five inch long, four inch high, which would stand out on both sides of the cheek of uh, the, the horse or zebra where, uh, biting into it. Mm-hmm. And as to who, who would have seen it, it depends who is guarding the rubble access. In lunar times, we, uh, you, uh, could be, it would be guaranteed that the lunars would have taken a look at it, have detected no magic, and have said, okay, take it in. Okay. Actually, if, if we play during the lunar occupation, do, you, um, do we imagine that there would be any lunar uh, um, interference or anything? Besides taxing. <laughs> well, if you look into the books, um, I, I, I guess uh, York could answer this, but I do uh, know Pavis very well. If you look in the books, all items that come into uh, this area are uh, subject to the lunars having the first dibs on it. Now, generally speaking, they're not going to take anything um, because that would discourage other people going into the rubble and bringing something out. So they'll generally speaking, they'll be quite honest about most things. But if it's really important and it's something that they want, they will take their first uh, option and rights on it. And they may pay you fairly. Mm-hmm. They may not pay you fairly. And again, there's always ramifications in rings. Not paying you fairly, of course, uh, would mean that uh, there'd be <laughs> problems happening further down the line. Maybe other people would not be as uh, willing to uh, deal with the lunars. Mm-hmm. Or somebody might want to steal it back. <laughs> in Paris? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, the idea. <laughs> okay. So now um if the player characters go for it and and want to go and uh, uh find uh the 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 other pieces do you have any ideas what might be going on like would would the leads lead back to the big rubble or might it lead to uh other places around pavis like maybe somebody already has it uh, i sort of set this up to uh, go into the uh, rubble uh, go near yel mario's hill is of course not that far from chaos playground mm-hmm. just look for some percent and discovering something else whatever else you might have there okay the rubble is full of encounters yeah because I'm, I'm thinking what um what might happen is that you know this bridle was found you know maybe in some cave or underground in the rubble but maybe the other pieces are not uh, artifacts to be found uh, um, like in the rubble because those other pieces are still on a you know uh, magical horse or whatever that you need to um, find uh, either in the spirit world or a hero quest or something so it doesn't have to be a, um, a rubble run if you know what I mean I thought I'd, I thought I would uh, start off with leading the uh, players into the rubble, 
mm-hmm. get some more information and maybe uh, get a uh, get a hint uh, to a different source of information like a fresco in a house which has been ignored so far mm-hmm. and well uh, so you visit a different site in the rubble Mm-hmm. make a copy of that fresco and uh, slowly uh, find out uh, how the hero quest could have looked like yeah and it's kind of cool because the um, the fresco or the uh, or the various uh, bits of information that you need to find the other pieces might actually be uh, located in various parts of the rubble where you have yes. to do a bit of uh, negotiation to the, to get access to it and you might have to go on side missions for you know for the trolls or the aldriami or whatever because they have the you know, the old fresco or the old statue that has the, the info. You might have to do a side mission in the first place in order to get the attention of the person that you want to negotiate with in the first place. For instance, um, in order to get through uh, some of the gates, you might have to encounter some of the folk that are guarding said gate, deal with them first before you can even get to the person you want to talk to. Mm, yeah. The depth is yeah. there. It's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. And I mean, uh, there are many things you cannot find in the rubble. Yeah, it might lead back out of the rubble because... um, Yeah. Okay, so uh, are we going to move on to um, another scene happening at the market? Uh, I would have to say... um Sounds like a really good idea. Now, we've got uh, two more scenes uh, to uh, present, uh, so would you like to go first or shall I go first, uh, Ludo? I can go, yeah. That's all yours. Okay, so... um, at the market, you know, of course, there's lots of things uh, uh, being sold, but everybody, while they're perusing uh, perusing the uh, the goods, uh, they might get hungry. So there's a couple of um, little uh, food trucks and other food vendors to um, uh, to sell some stuff. And there is one uh, food vendor which is uh, new and seems a bit uh, shaky, a bit uh, a bit nervous and whatever. But you know, he's selling um, braised meat and. Uh, uh liver in sauce and stuff like that and uh what happens is that if you buy from this vendor the meat tastes a bit funny uh and if you're very perceptive you might notice actually a troll standing on the other side of the plaza um keeping an eye on this vendor and what happens is that um the troll um, is actually um, the uh, guardian of this vendor who is uh, kind of a, a prisoner. Uh, he was part of a group of humans that, you know, somehow stole some stuff from a group of trolls in the rubble. It, it doesn't matter what, but the trolls took offense to it and uh, killed half of his party and figured that it would be funny to force the couple remaining humans in this party of thieves to um, sell the meat of their friends at the market to other humans, preferably. Uh, And so what you would get from this uh, food truck is actually uh, cooked human meat, a bit like, uh, you know, um, uh, Hannibal Lecter type stuff. And um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things. But first, uh, I would like to ask you guys, do you think that any kind of troll would be, you know, cruel enough and have like dark humor? to pull out this kind of thing or do you think we need to flesh out a bit the backstory of the troll warlord who is ordering this uh, cruel joke to be played did you say flesh out <laughs> did i say what flesh out 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. And just, yeah. just a question from inquiring minds. Lift <laughs> up. Um, that would definitely be kind of be your melee kind of a troll kind of thing, wouldn't it? One would think. But uh, I don't know. If the, if the troll had been wronged, if he was pissed off and he did not want to set a whole bunch of fuses in place. Now, trolls usually really would not yeah. normally care too much about what uh, humans thought of them. The trolls are, and the elder Iami and the humans are all in a very interesting situation here in mm-hmm. uh, the uh, um, in Pabas. They have to interact with one another. They can't be just uh, going uh, willy-nilly. Maybe this is his uh, way of thumbing his nose at uh, the humans and uh, not uh, causing a great uh, uh, war. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's a rather big thing for a troll to give away food. Ah, yes, yeah. But what happens Mm -hmm. when you give away food as a troll? Normally it would be an invitation, a bit like uh, satellite hospitality. Mm -hmm. Uh, The usual ritual when you contact a troll is, here, don't eat me, eat this. And you hold up some item of food that the troll uh, would have to consume. Mm -hmm. And now this is a bit of the inverse. Here comes the troll and as a human, uh, distribute food from the troll. So maybe uh, maybe this troll warlord has something in mind, or uh, is just very bored and uh, wants to uh, to do something funny. Yeah, I mean uh, trolls do have humor. Yes. Well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Troll humor is uh, uh, is I guess a, a big part of the of the troll culture. Uh, the other thing I was wondering is. Um, Assuming some people uh, buy the food, I mean, maybe even the, the player characters buy the food, uh, would it be considered uh, a, a slight chaotic act? Like, could, could, could you, for example, gain like half a percent in the chaotic rune after having uh, <laughs> eaten a couple of things there and suddenly you don't quite can like you know pinpoint it, but all of the Uroxy, uh, like the, all the Stormbull people at the uh, at the nearby inn are getting like very angsty around you. Like they 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 push you around a bit more than usual. Well, like um, everything uh, human related, there's going to be question marks lower on this one. Yeah, um, is it disorder or is it chaos? I mean, come on now. Disorder is a uh, pretty nasty thing, and matter of fact, disorder led to chaos, if you really get right down to it in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, come on. Uh, so, you mean to say that you take a bite of it and uh, the storm bowl um, beside you all of a yeah. sudden has his um, horns on his helmet perk up and out comes a battle <laughs> accident? Well, not- looks kind of like the avatar of that uh, character from BRP Central. Uh, the, well, what's his name? Anyway, I, I, no, I, I, yeah. I kind of had my doubts on that. <laughs> well, they they might not go all out, but they just might get a little. Like even they might not know where it's coming from. They might just not like you, uh, not like you that much, uh, um, uh, as much as they uh, would on first impression. This is, this is definitely baiting. I think that would be the actual term here, wouldn't it? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, exactly. it is baiting, but it might be baiting something completely different. Do you remember yes. the cannibal? Uh, do you remember the cannibal cult of Prex? I've, I've heard of the cannibal cult. Uh, give us a little bit of a detail, if you would, York. Okay, um, they first appeared as one of the independent groups in Nomad Gods. I think a later edition, not in the original game, and 
Yes, they are people who eat other praxians, uh, sentient praxians. They are quite feared uh, among other praxians, but they are not registering in any way as chaotic. They are spirit society or shamanic society, and yeah, nobody really likes them, but they are there, and they have their powers. So basically speaking, if you really want to say what evil is or what chaos is, isn't that something that you don't happen to like <laughs> if you happen to be the opposite? If you're not chaotic, <laughs> I mean, anything that you don't like might be chaotic. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, in some in some ways, uh, chaos is just going against your cultural your cultural guidelines, effectively, like the guidelines established by your gods. I think there really is a chaos in the world. And to me, chaos is the unmaking. It's the return to entropy, the loss of Glorantha, and the return that existed before. I brought this up before, and I've watched everybody else argue left, right, and center, all kinds of things in BRP Central. <laughs> it, to me, it's just a return to entropy, which is going yes. to happen anyway, if it, according to the physicists of our world. Yeah, you might, I mean, that's the nature of time. Okay, well, before we start going into uh, philosophical questions about uh, chaos, I think we can uh, move on to the third and final uh, scene in the market. Well, all of this activity has been uh, happening all around. A young lad, unnoticed by any because of his dirty and scruffy appearance, clothes are torn and ripped, hair is matted, has been sitting um, uh, with a begging bowl. He notices uh, the adventurers go walking by and kind of picks himself up and uh, follows along and plants himself um, um, uh, with a wall to his back, begging bowl in front of him. And it doesn't look like he's paying any attention, but he has a perfectly good three, um, 180 degree view of the tableau in front of him that's occurring. The, uh, the wagon of a food being sold, the adventurer is talking to the sages, and as he sits there and looks about, a bit of a bored look on his face, one might note that his shoes look a little bit better than they should look, and as a matter of fact, one could also notice shoes, interesting, a beggar. So gentlemen, that's uh, the setting of the tableau in front of us. Mm-hmm. Any questions at all? So you mentioned that the shoes are notable for a beggar. Um, do they have anything notable in particular? Like, are they fancy shoes? The fact that he has them. Yeah. Shoes in uh, the uh, world of Glorantha should be costing in and around the area. Like, they are either being made by a family's uh, craftsperson, and that's going to take the resources of the stead. A considerable length of time to create. It'll take a little bit of leather. It'll take a sewing. It'll take crafting. It'll take metal uh, b- b- gear to uh, make them. Or it only takes stealing them to get them. Stealing, is a possi- <laughs> stealing them is a possibility. But uh, keep in mind that you're not stealing. Okay, today, let's put this into today's terms. Mm-hmm. This actually does happen, and uh, your kids will uh, face it one day um, at the school, Ludo, um, in our world, uh, by them uh, showing up with the uh, pair of Air Jordans mm-hmm. that are immaculate. Yeah. Someone might want to uh, throw a bit of shade on them and scuff them, mm-hmm. or might even do worse. Um, you can steal an iPod, but those shoes are worth $250, $300. Mm-hmm. Which is about what we're getting at with uh, the shoes on Buddy's feet here. They're not—they're um, not cheap. 
Okay. Shoes of any kind, never mind. Now, these are look scuffed. You can tell that. So a special is going to be required here. So uh, we, we pick up our dice. We roll our dice and... Ooh, 21. That's, uh, <laughs> that's pretty much a special for an awful lot of folk out there. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that um, you notice the fact that they're not quite as scuffed as they could be, nor is he not paying attention enough to his uh, begging. He seems to be noticing the uh, wagon, and he seems to be noticing the uh, adventurers. Mm-hmm. So he's keeping an eye on them? Like he might, is he like a, a lookout for some street gang or some family or some... Uh... Well, one takes the roll here. Woohoo! Zero two. We're putting out some good uh, rolls on this one. So <laughs> one would be, be looking at uh, Customs uh, Pabbas or Insight. Either one of these um, uh, will grant you the ability uh, to know a little bit more about what's uh, going on uh, here. Insight tells you, uh, as I said, that he's not uh, begging as he uh, should be. He is paying attention to um, uh, stuff going on around him that he shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, Customs Pavis points out, and especially uh, the uh, special up earlier, tells you that, uh, yeah, he's looking a little bit uh, too in shape for a beggar. He's, and he's looking like he's ready at any time to get up and move quickly to another location. In fact, when he moved the first time, he did it a little bit too quickly and a little bit too well. Street gang, yeah, he's the right age. He's the right size. He's the right cleverness. He's paying attention. He's also a beggar. Right off the bat, he's already affiliated with somebody. But you know that he's not affiliated with the beggars. Mm-hmm. Do street gangs have any um, gang signs or anything in Paris? <laughs> he says, and we roll a quick critical. Uh, are, are we doing a small game live? That's fun. That's fun. As we go, as as we speak, and that uh, roll there tells you that uh, on his um, uh, clothing is a, a little piece of a, a dangling bit. Oh, it did, could be an earring, uh, um, or it could be something tied into his hair. This runs with the fine fellows. I'm going to turn to my uh, sage in the party, which is Jurg, and ask him about uh, ask him about who are those fellows. Yeah. The fine fellows. The fine fellows. Um, I heard a rumor that they would be the street gang uh, coming from Richhill, the posh section of New Pevis. Generally speaking, they're a loudish bunch, loud, a little bit louder. Bark is worse than their bite, but that'd be the way I would definitely say it. Push comes to shove. They have friends. Now, what happens in Pabbas when you uh, piss somebody off? You have to be more worried about not the person that you're uh, pissing off, not the person you're getting into a fight with, but how many friends they have. Rich Hill. Not only do they have uh, friends, but they have rich and influential friends. And mouthpieces that can uh, speak uh, before a, a court of law. Now, with the specials and the criticals that we've ruled here, you definitely know that uh, one could have a little bit of problems if uh, one were to... Run roughshod on these people. Beyond that, they shouldn't be too much of a threat. Now, Buddy is not uh, actually looking like he's going to run in and uh, grab a uh, um, uh, uh, anything or steal anything. He's looking like he's paying really close attention, though. And uh, you know that he's noting what's happening. And since he's from Rich Hill, he might be from one of the families who might be interested in this item. Or the gang might have been hired by one of those groups. Or he might know a little bit about this to begin with. And uh, that makes him even more dangerous. So maybe he could be one of the uh, family's uh, hirelings or even a member of the family who might 
track the the characters as they go on to find the mouthpiece but steal it from them so that they get it for free or or uh, for another family well there would have to be a fagin like character that was running the uh, fine lords uh, fine fellows i should say we know that there are some fagin like uh, characters running some of the other gangs is there such a person here i know from reading the modules that uh, this would not uh, necessarily be the case but the question is is this actually the reality the game masters should change the stuff that they have in front of them, possibly even just uh, on the spur of the moment and go, hey, that's such a good idea. I think I'm going to make that a part of uh, the uh, game, uh, whether um, it was there in my notes or whether it was there in a the module to begin with. Yeah. So I would be perfectly fine to put him into one of my one of the schemes that might be behind the hunt for the horse quest or the quest. So we've got a subplot happening here. Um, uh, but just uh, to get closer to a wrap-up of uh, some odd meat being sold and uh, some uh, folk uh, possibly being peed off about it, possibly uh, being uh, perpetrating it, possibly being uh, involved in one way or another with the um, rubble. We have adventurers coming from the rubble with an item. We have a uh, sage's uh, buying said item. We have a, uh, a member of the street gang, possibly a thief, watching this all go down. Not bad for a little bit of a tableau. Yep. Yeah. So we could basically go off and start an adventure without uh, very much crap now. And on the whole, this is a bit of an experiment in uh, shared jamming, really. Well, yeah, actually, good call. That's the, now, that is an interesting thought. <laughs> what do you think there, Ludo? I think Jörg's uh, idea nicely kind of sets up a bunch of uh, leads uh, that might lead to, you know, uh, going to find the trolls that are trying to uh, um, do a bit of prank and, and baiting on the on the humans and maybe starting some trouble. Uh, they that also leads to uh, your character who might be tied to the gangs who have some interest in the mouthpiece piece or might be uh, hired by some um, family uh, of Paris. Nice call of bringing in that family um, and the street gangs because that's not there at all that, that's interesting i like that i mean the maybe i don't know if it if there is a history of uh Pavis noble families hiring street gangs to do their dirty work york there is uh, i mean the gamalio uh, the suntown uh, street gang base uh, is something like uh, an extra fire on their militia yeah that's actually true good call so all these all these street gangs are a bit of uh, uh, local patriots well, so obviously that gives out a, a few uh, scenario seeds and adventure seeds for uh, the GMs listening to uh, this episode. Uh, do we want to uh, say anything before we wrap up? Well, sorry for any spoilers. That's uh, definitely the beginning of my point um, on this one, but uh, I don't think it'll ruin your game entirely. <laughs> yeah, um, I think we didn't have any explicit spoilers here. Oh, you know me. I'm a little bit rabid about spoilers. You rabbit about many things too. Well, <laughs> you get bit by a rabbit dog, and what happens? Yeah. Well, we can do something about rabbit dogs at the market next time. Ooh, we're selling up the meat thereof. <laughs> 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 yeah, there's lots of shady meat being. Maybe uh, people shouldn't eat at the market.
Listen, we have one more item to come to uh, before we can now wrap this all yes. up. I guess uh, our next uh, topic will be letters from the – we have listeners. There are people out there that, pay, <laughs> that really pay attention, and uh, there's even a gentleman who's asked us a question. Hello, everyone. This is Deathstroke9. This podcast was awesome. One thing I particularly liked was your homage to one of fantasy genre's greatest talent sons, Christopher Tolkien. Your news section was very informative, and I liked all of your historical references. The second section, which involved rumors and gossip, was arguably the only part of the audio file that I didn't enjoy immensely. Thirdly, we had a topic. How to start new players into Glorantha. You know, whatever. One thing I particularly liked was the Game Master advice throughout, such as, at the start, simplicity is key, and don't overload your players with too much information or exposition, fun taking precedence over rules. Overall, the podcast itself was enjoyable, easy to get into, and pretty deep in scope, with some humorous bits that actually had me laughing. One of my favorite things about it was the level of love you guys exhibited for what you're talking about. The layout of rolling dice in the rumor section and the town center herald for the industry news all were wonderful little things which brought to mind my own sessions and experiences. Thank you for making this. I hope to see many more episodes. And I just had a question. If someone was first starting into Glorantha or RuneQuest, like I mean just starting in and wanted to be a game master, what would they need? When they're first getting into this, they have no idea what it is they want to run a game. And pretty much the same for players. What should what should a player pick up if they're first getting into role-playing in Glorant? Just wondering. Thank you. Bill, so what do you, uh, what do you recommend to new players? Well, new players, um, I recommend at least... Well, they could always borrow all of the books. There's no two ways about it. I recommend a uh, set of dice. A pencil, pencil sharpener, and a pad of paper to tell you the honest God truth. That's and a, and a good imagination. If they want a little bit more, maybe a PDF copy of uh, the uh, core RuneQuest role playing in Glorantha book would be a lovely thing to have. The actual book itself it's forty or fifty bucks, um, and a lot of tables will probably have one or two or three of those floating around. Like my table has two of them floating around. So maybe a PDF of that on their uh, tablet or their phone would be a really good start. So I'm re I'm just now running an experiment with one of my tenants who's been caught here and doing very little due to Corona, and I just gave him a printout of the first three chap first three or four chapters of Prince of Sartar, and the RuneQuest Quick Start. That's hardcore, Prince of Sartar. Well, RuneQuest Quick Start is not really a bad um, way of going, and that's free too, isn't it? If you if you download it, it's free. Yes. Yeah. And Prince of Sarda is free, of course, as well. Oh, you were thinking King of Sarda, weren't you, Ludo? Prince of Sarda is not so hardcore. It's a comic book. Oh, right. Yes, I was confused. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not that sadistic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, my uh, my recommendation would just go to, to would just be to go with the uh, the quick start <laughs> rules. I mean, they're exactly there for that. Uh, they have pre-gen characters. They have a sample story, and they have basic rules. Or if people have a bit of time and are not too much in a hurry, there is a starter set uh, supposed to be coming up this year in a few months. Ah. Yeah. So wait for that and grab that because it's supposed to be um, as excellent as the Call of Cthulhu 7 Edition starter set, which is excellent. Great. Now, neither of you mentioned dice or uh, pencils and paper. Uh, the starter set should come with dice. 
Now, we've got two more uh, uh, letters to get to. Uh, they're, they're really short, so we can take a little bit of time with this question. Thank you, Danielle, for the question. Uh, that's absolutely lovely. It gives us a chance to continue beaking at you even more. Yeah. Thanks, Daniel. Uh, yay. Yeah. Um, but uh, we haven't touched on the last uh, part of the question, which is what does a game master need at the minimum? Oh, well, I guess the quick start rules and the, and or the starter set was for the GM, I guess. And you're right that the player only needs uh, paper and pencil and dice. For the GM, I w really would advise the GM screen, which comes with three, three more scenarios, a sandbox and the screen itself, which has all the rules. And huh. I, I would go a little bit more hardcore than that. Okay, what the game master needs is minimum, in my opinion. At a minimum, the RQ um, and Grantha book is lovely. It's got beautiful illustrations, uh, 400 pages of great material. Uh, take a bit of time and go to BRP Central, so a uh, computer and an internet uh, connection, which you obviously have if you're listening to this. BRP Central is free. Lovely uh, resource. Well, well, um, Daliath uh, for questions and answers for your own questions. Uh, the source book, Clarence's source book. And the bestiary, Clarence's bestiary. These three, um, uh, th uh, three items. Now, for the last two items, uh, the Clarence bestiary and the Dungeon Master screen. Well, the Dungeon Master screen is optional. You might want it, you might not. But uh, Grant's source book, again, you might want it, you might not, but it's got some really good depth of material there. BRP Central, yeah. minimum. Uh, the rule book, minimum. It might be surprising to you, Bill, but I think you're going way over what's really needed to get started in Grant. Let's take a Grant's scenario, have a look at it, maybe have it explained to you, and just start with that. You don't need to study the source book. You don't need to study all of the rules. You can go with a quick start. You can go to PRP Central. That's, uh, that only costs you time. But the question is, how much time do you have to invest into a setting which you haven't heard about before? I guess that's a fair comment there. I, I did run uh, the quick start for the game stay back in June of 17. As a matter of fact, with five people that were very enthusiastic, they had a great time with it. But uh, yeah, all I had at that point in time was, well, was 40 years of experience, BRP Central <laughs> and uh, the uh, quick start. All right. Um, just a quick one from Scott Martin. Now, a quick caveat here. This was written before we even went to press. So he might have changed his opinion. I'm hoping not. But Scott, get back to us. Let us know what you uh, thought of it after uh, having actually uh, heard it. <laughs> but before, oh, hey, man, awesome. You guys are uh, going to uh, do amazing things. This is the most exciting news I have heard all year. You're doing Greg's work, a true dream team. <laughs> well, now that he's heard us, he's got to change his opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, nightmares are dreams too, aren't they? It's nightmares it is. <laughs> and uh, our last uh, letter? Yeah, that's uh, actually a question uh, to you, Bill. Just a point. I think Bill mentions mob at 2.10 minutes in the first podcast. And I think it could be quite confusing for a newcomer at that point. That's from Min Lister. Well, I'm not mentioning a mob that is um, set to attack you or a mob that um, is running from you uh, around your awesome mightiness. I'm referring to Michael O'Brien, one of the uh, true greats of Grant lore, a gentleman responsible for what I call the second uh, renaissance uh, that uh, Ludo calls the first renaissance, uh, Brewer Brunquest. 
In any case, we, we both agree that Bob, Michael O'Brien is a Renaissance man. Sorry for any confusion there. We expect more confusion and we'll clear it up as we get them. We, we are often confused ourselves anyway. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Aren't we though? Aren't we though? At that point, if uh, we could say thank you for listening. It's been absolutely wonderful having you as an audience. Yeah, thank yes. you. Yeah, that's a uh, goodbye for me. And that's goodbye from him. And yeah, I will say my goodbyes as well. And thank you for bearing with us. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wind Words. Our website is windwords.fm, where you can find other episodes. Reach us via email at tribe at windwords.fm for any questions or feedback. We are all us. <laughs>